Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things financial at the O'Connor Advisory Group.com or OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. We're always sharing stuff there. At your search for Coach Bo Knows Show, you'll find us. And you can email us at Coach Bo Knows Show at gmail.com. Hey, this is episode 102. And coming in here, we're going we're gonna to do is talk everything Super Bowl today. Uh, starting out, I got my main man. Ladies, you know who he is. If you're listening, you're going to be my man here. My man, Ricardo Gerbellini, Uncle Rico, is in the house. We're going to talk the game, the game Sunday night. Uh, we're going to talk all about that. And then coming up afterwards, my man Tyler Jones is coming in. We're going to talk a little bit more about what's next for the Kansas City Chiefs and some of the kind of business stuff of the Super Bowl. So, but what I want to get into with you, Uncle Rico, Uncle Rico, first off, thank you for coming in. Appreciate you on the day after the Super Bowl and Monday. I know we've both been busy today. Both had to work. Kind of sucks, but it is what it is. It's Monday. You know? And uh, what I want to get with us about, what I want you and I talk about is the game itself and some of the stuff. They're going with that. What's going to happen on the field? I want to first set up kind of how my feelings were. We... On the pod this weekend, I made my picks. I picked the Chiefs to win the game. I said I like 30-20. I thought it was going to be a much higher scoring game. Um, I thought that it could be 30-27 if the 40 hours were able to get a late score. But this thing going to overtime and it being 25-22 with, you know, with two scores in the overtime, this is so low scoring. It's really not what I thought we'd see. But some of the things we thought we might see, we did see tactically. Uh, on the Chiefs side, Chiefs obviously win the game in overtime. You know, everyone's talking about Patrick Mahomes today, and he played lights out in the second half, especially, and in the overtime. Um, I really thought the Chiefs' defense was what really set the tone and kept the Chiefs in the game. Um, Chris Jones was great. The defensive backs were awesome. Uh, I just think that there was so much there that that was really the, um, to me, that's what won the game for the Chiefs was that defense keeping it in this game. And I think a lot of it in the end, you know, there's always the, the hype of who do we blame for a loss? I think a lot of this falls on Kyle Shanahan. I don't I think that he called a very agree. good game. And before I get too hard on Kyle Shanahan, I'm going to say this first, too. I thought Andy Reid coached a really poor game as well. I thought that Andy Reid, I thought the play, offensive play calling was bad. I thought his usage of the clock was bad. Um, there was the play where he should have, uh, was late in the, it was late in the fourth quarter, where he should have challenged the first down. He didn't do it. He called a timeout, but didn't challenge. Um, I I thought Andy Reid had a bad game. You know, Travis Kelsey's getting a lot of grief right now for, you know, having bumped him and, you know, said something to him, got pissy with him on that interception play. But uh, the fumble play. And, uh, but in the way, I thought it kind of woke Andy Reid up. <laughs> I thought he bit. coached a better game after that. Um, but I want to talk real quick. I want to start with the 49ers and then get to the Chiefs because you and I, you've been on the 49ers all season. That's been the team you – and we have a distinctly different opinion on one particular person on that team. <laughs> um, and I think that I think that I, I 
I still think my opinion's valid. I still think I'm right that Brock Purdy is the game manager and he's just an average quarterback. Oh, but what God. I do think is they think he's more at right now going forward. Um, and we talked a little bit about this already off the line, but let's talk about the, the 49ers. First off, I thought Kyle Shanahan did not call a good game. Um, they came out running the ball, ran the ball effectively, got a lot of yards. They moved the ball well, and a couple of turnovers were what really hurt the Niners. Uh, you had the fumble early, and the Chiefs coughed it back to them, but the fumble in the red zone, or right before the red zone, settling for field goals. Um, they run the gimmick play, the 21, to get that first touchdown. And really the only touchdown in the first half. And then, I mean, just not putting the game in your best player's hands. And the best player for the 49ers in their offense is Christian McCaffrey. And I really don't think they did enough with him later, in a, especially late in the game. But what are your thoughts on the 49ers, the play calling and, and, and that stuff first? I'll tell you, I, I feel a little bit like uh, Broussard and your Nick Wright don't agree on Brock Purdy at all. Yeah. But having said that, having said that, I agree the way I think on the overall, and we were talking about this before we jumped on, I didn't agree with the play calling. It wasn't the load on any one player. Like I thought the amount of usage that they got out of McCaffrey was good. And how many throws they had was good, but it's not the balance of plays. It's when it happened. I I cannot begin to remember how many times I'm sitting there and they throw when they should have ran. They ran when they should have thrown. I did not like the play calling at all throughout the entire game. And that the defense, both defenses showed up. This was a low scoring game. So both defenses definitely showed up, you know, and performed but there especially at the end of the game and i do agree with you christian mccaffrey is the best player on that team we don't agree on how good for purdy is but that's fine nobody's arguing that christian mccaffrey isn't the best he is so when you use him has to be very important and there at the end when they should have been running it especially not overtime at the end of regulation you're down and you kick that final field goal it should have been two christian mccaffrey runs back to back for five for four yards to get that first down in the red zone it's when you use him that's important and i feel like this is beyond the little things that that kyle shanahan i think failed on yesterday that is the biggest error is when you do what yeah, and it wasn't just the fourth quarter. I'm gonna I'm gonna say some. This is so I pulled this up. This is second quarter, first possession. So the Chiefs come out. Mahomes throws an incomplete, throws an interception. Hey, if you're the 49ers, you got a 10-3 lead. You get an interception, and you're deep in Chiefs territory. They got the ball. At the, well, they get the ball to 44 after the interception. Mm-hmm. Still good position. They got good field position. You're thinking. A touchdown here is 14. 14 is uh-huh. hard to come back from against a team that can run the football to 49ers. Even a field goal making it two scores would have been huge. Instead, we get an incomplete pass on first down. Then we get the penalty on second down. 
They then try to throw the ball on the second down. They, they had the, the, the false start. Then yeah. they try to throw it on second and fifth, second and fifteen. Another incomplete pass. Um, well, I'm sorry. The Purdy scrambles for four yards, leaves it fourth and eleven at the 45. They have to punt. The next was they forced the Chiefs into a three and out. Again, their defense stepped up, did their thing. And yeah, and that's even that just coming off of that interception, the play yeah. calling was not correct. No, and then they come back the next possession. You then hold the Chiefs to three and out. So you have the ball for literally so far, we now have had three possessions in the second half, and we've had a total of four minutes and 15 seconds go off the clock. <laughs> Before you have the ball back, and first play is the short pass to Jennings for negative eight yards. Uh, terrible play call. It was terrible that play out the wide to Jennings. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, and they then they then they throw then they throw again, second and 18. Again, you've got McCaffrey getting the getting the ball. Even if it's hey, run the ball on second and 18, get you to third and eleven. Make it a little easier on your quarterback. Instead, he throws an incomplete pass. I'm sorry, he gets seven. Purdy then throws an incomplete pass, then you got another putt. The Chiefs didn't get a field goal. Before they get the ball, for the ball back, 25-yard line. The one run in three possessions, they run it up the field, up the middle, no game. Then Purdy, incomplete, incomplete, punt. It wasn't until, you know, two more possessions later and the Chiefs scoring a touchdown to go ahead do you start trying to run the ball. And that possession... The seventy, the big, the one big long possession, the seventy-five yard that he scored on, yeah, a whole lot of Christian McCaffrey there. Yeah, the run game's supposed to be easier in the second half of the game. You're tiring out the defense, and the Chiefs' defense did get tired. I just thought, like you were saying, I think that Kyle Shanahan. I don't know if he was too caught up in the moment of needing a big play or he was so worried because the Chiefs defense did such a great job of setting the edge, which we, again, I kind of talked about it on the weekend. I thought, especially with, I thought, I said, we see a lot of Chris Jones on the left side of the defense and we did. And then we saw the flip side of it when he went to the right side, they took mm -hmm. Carlofidis and the other outside linebacker. His name is not striking me right now. And they double teamed that left side. They said, we're going to kick everything back inside. So the Niners could not run the ball where they normally like to run it. So, okay, run the ball at the middle. Run the middle of the field. They have so much counter stuff they can do. they got a great fullback as well. Those tight ends yes. can block. And they had success with it on a couple of possessions, one early, one in the third quarter, where they got the touchdown. It's like, You've got a key here that's also going to shorten the game and leaves 15 on the sideline. It seems to me that Kyle Shanahan was worried about getting in a shootout later in the game. And which surprises me because later on in the overtime, he makes the he wasn't very aggressive, and then he makes the aggressive idea of taking the ball in overtime. So 
I, I don't. I think that I think a we'll lot talk. of this will Shanahan. Now, got even about that the alone. Let's go to the overtime yeah. in a minute, but yeah. Again, I don't know what I'm saying about Brock Purdy. Let's go to the Brock Purdy thing first. All right. I don't think Brock Purdy caused him to lose the game. Not at all. On that, we agree. We agree on that. I think think he played fairly well. I do. I don't think he played terrible. Um, I think a lot of the passing that they did was plays, and it does most of the season. They set him up on, it's not that it's a single route, but it's, a lot of it is he's he doesn't have to read progressions. Tony Romo was getting it wrong. I thought a lot about progressions. He was not reading progressions, and that was because that's he's not asked to. That's not a knock on Brock Purdy. Okay, let me say that again. The fact that they didn't do it isn't a knock. It's just that they didn't ask him to. And well, I I, I, they also know what they've got there. Got I disagree. I will disagree on that, and here's and here's my take on that same thing. I will agree with you on the play calling, the way it was done, and I hated it because that's not the way they had been playing throughout the rest of the playoffs. That's not the way they've been playing all year. Yeah. This, again, is – I'm going to put a lot on Kyle Shanahan, and I'm not talking – I am not trying to sit here and defend Brock Purdy as an all-world greatest quarterback or anything like that. He's not. But he's far better than most people will give him credit for under any circumstances, including yesterday. This is a scheme that Kyle Shanahan almost abandoned what he was in play calling yesterday than he had been for the previous month when they were going through progressions, when he was being aggressive and creative. I, I felt like there was no creativity in the play calling. Well, I'll give you an example. They didn't run a single screen pass. That's that is that is a, a bread and butter that for that team. Benchmark. That is something that the Fort Ayers offense does. I saw the one. So I saw one. I saw one. But they that is a bread and butter of that team. It has been all year long. Yeah. Whether it's Debo or Christian McCaffrey getting that reception, that is a bread and butter play. Yeah. The ISO throws where you are trying to isolate the one guy. This is where the Fortnite get their big plays from. A lot of those go to Debo. Some of them they go to Kettle. Sometimes they go to IU, but a lot of those go to Debo. We saw very few. The one that I do remember where they tried to get one into Debo, um, it's about 20 yards of the field to the left-hand side. And um, um McDuffie, Trent McDuffie got up under the coverage, got up under Debo, and Debo had to reach over the top of him and play defense because it was going to be an interception. Yep. Yeah, I remember that play. And that's more of a spot and a feel thing. That's not that's not a knock on the Brock Purdy either. That's not that oh Brock Purdy was doing an interception. It's that Debo didn't get the uh, he didn't get the leverage where they're used to throwing that to. And I think they just got I think the 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 defense of the Chiefs played so well on yes. man. Those corners played so well. They abandoned the ISOs. They abandoned the screen passes. And in key moments, they said, we don't know what we're going to do. It was almost like, okay, this didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work. What now? And they didn't put Brock Purdy in the parts. The ISO throws are what he does best. 
The ISO throws, you clear people out, you run someone into a spot, he throws it to them. That's where all his big plays come from. They He's really play. good at it. He's and really he good. The that's thing is, I, that's been my knock on him in a way because I've said that's something that 25 well, of 32 quarterbacks is leading. No, 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 no. What I say, what I'm saying that, and, and this is, this is, this is next gen stats has been, has been on this. Brock Purdy in tight window throws is first in the league. First in the league in tight window throws, that is no. No, is that that's, a percentage of completions in those? Oh, wait, wait, that's what I want to ask. The completion of percentage or the number of them? Completed. What? Completed. Completions. Completions. This is this was this was a number I I saw just a couple weeks ago, and I, I didn't even know that was that was yeah. a true. But he's actually number one in the league in yeah. tight window throws. There, the the thing, and I agree with you, they're not doing that. But that's part of what I'm talking about. Is I feel like they abandoned their identity for something they were trying to be, instead of being who they were. And this, and I'm going to put it on. I'm going to put it on Kyle Shanahan. And he needs an OC. He needs to not manage those little things because. If you abandon who you are in an effort to throw the other team off, you're not as good as you are yeah. in the game. And I that's what we saw a, yesterday. I think you brought up a really good point there. So he's the offensive coordinator as well as the uh, head coach. And the big thing he's getting rocked on today is the overtime piece. Now, before we get rock him on that, I will say this. I understand his explanation. Frankly, I agree with it, and I would have made the same exact decision. I actually said it. It was a watch. I was like, I would take the ball. Uh, and the reason being is that I can run that. I can take that. I can. If you're going to do it, you've got to do it in a way where you're controlling the clock as well. You you're going to you're going to take your time and go and go and go. And so you had to get the run game. Yeah. Go back to the ISO throws because that is what Brock Purdy's getting those completions, those, those window percentages, um, the screen passes, all that stuff he didn't run. Run it there now. But it goes to your point of not having an offensive coordinator, it means he's spending so much time on that individual play calling and those things that it's taking away from him in the bigger decisions the head coach has to make, the bigger decisions like. What do we do in overtime? Again, I can see the reason for taking the ball. If you think you can flip, you think, hey, we're going to kick a field goal, they're going to kick a field goal, we're going to get a touchdown, they're going to get a touchdown, give me the ball next. I get that. And I especially think that in this game, because when we go into that game, it's 19-19. It would be different if it was 30-30, if it was 35-35. If the offenses are running up oh, and yeah. down the field, then yes, I absolutely want the ball second. But I do see what he's thinking. But I think that the, the thing that came off of me isn't that they did it, put the ball first. It was that after the game, we've seen multiple players now say, we didn't know the rules. They didn't even talk about it. They didn't and even then, talk about it. Yeah, they had talked. And then we hear from the Chiefs side that Andy Reid had been talking about it all season long. They had talked about it as far as early as preseason. And again, that's the details a head coach has got to do, as opposed to the details of what play on second and three. So I agree with your assessment that, yes, Kyle Shanahan should not be the offensive coordinator. 
And I think moving forward, he has to have a different play call. Because if not, I don't understand why he is the head coach. Make him the offensive coordinator. Have somebody else be able to make the damn decisions. I think the big thing also with that is that, again, we talked about, you know, just the inconsistency in Shanahan's play calling and really that offensive coordinator thing. He's he's too hyper-focused on the little detail that the big thing got away from him. He's micromanaging when he should be macromanaging. This is yeah. a mistake on his part. Yeah. And, again, I think it's just a big deal. He didn't talk to his players about this, and they didn't have an idea what they were going to do. Um, where do you see the 49ers moving forward? I think they need to address two areas. One, I, I like the team makeup as it is, especially on offense. There's a couple of things that I think they need to do. One, and I've said it, they got to get a no seat. He needs to relinquish control there and let someone manage that offense. And allow. I think part of his problem is he's not allowing the team to explore and push boundaries on what they're capable of. I think they're capable of far more with all of their weapons, including Brock Purdy. But I don't think they're using – you saw John Jennings show up in the second half in a very big way. Yeah. So why wasn't he more involved in the beginning? Because it's like they were forcing to Debo more than they should have been yeah. in the second half. And they didn't use Kittle almost at all in the entire yeah. game. This is a, These are problems that they need to address with where an OC has a game plan and will incorporate – and spread the wealth on those weapons, which has been the strength of this offense all year long. Yeah. And it's like they abandoned that last year. So if one, you got to get yeah. a no seat, get that taken care of. Yeah, then you got to address the trenches. Got to deal yeah. with the trenches. I thought the run all year long, the, the run defense of the 49ers has not been very good. And I think both sides of the ball, you need to address the trenches to give Purdy a little bit more protection because he sits in the pocket really well. But you also got to deal with the run defense problem you're not addressing because they were one of the worst in the league this year. Yeah. That's where I think you need to go. Yeah, I think teams are going to want to slug it out with them in the trenches. And offensively, they've got a great offensive line. And they've got a lot of it locked up for a long time. The one thing the 49ers do have, I looked at it earlier, is outside of AUK, they really don't have any big decisions to make on big players for a while. Um, they'll have to make a Brock Purdy decision, and they still got 2024 and probably 2025. Um, we're going to know if he's their quarterback next season. He's going to be the quarterback in 2024. What I mean is we'll know if he's the franchise guy after the 2024 season. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll have to make that decision before he gets into 2025. They'll have to extend him and figure it out from there. Um, but they, they do have an interesting window. Obviously, they think he's the guy. Um, Again, I think there's shortcomings there, but maybe with a little more time and maybe with another def another offensive coordinator situation, you can change some things in there. But I do think that um, you have that window sort of like Seattle had, you know, a few number of years ago when they had Russell Wilson in that kind of first year contract, their first contract. They've got that with Purdy. It's kind of what you want. And now it's like, okay, is he good enough? Again, I'm not sure. I know this, and, and, and I don't know if they know for certain, but I, but I do think they're going to go with it. I don't see them making a change this offseason. They're going to 2024 with him. Uh, let's talk about the Chiefs real quick. 
Mm -hmm. now, I'm going to do a little more chiefs with Tyler uh, as far as what's going to happen next with them. we got to go a little deeper in that and be a more local team. But I know you've been on the 49ers all year and really know that team backwards and forwards. With the Chiefs, that defense played so well, didn't they? That is the best. They were, they've had a good defense all year, and that is easily the best game that defense has played all year long, without question. Yeah, I tend to agree, and I think that that defense played spectacular. They did, and they kind of did what we ta I talked about this weekend. I was like, this is a lot of this stuff wasn't too surprising. I thought the surprising part was that it was effective, that they really took it to the 49ers offensive line. I saw a couple of plays where Trent Williams got beat up. Yes. I, mean, I was, yes. I, was, I watched replays a couple of things. I was like, oh my God, that he just kicked Trent Williams' ass. Um, and Chris Jones played incredible. And they're showing people who are talking about Chris Jones today are talking about him in a way where it's um, the pass rush stuff, the stuff that happened in the fourth quarter where he was not quite getting all the way home, but was definitely affecting throws, definitely mm -hmm. affecting the pocket awareness, the pocket presence of Brock Purdy. But I think really the, the way that defense did, they had a plan. Their plan was we are not going to let them beat us off the edges with the run game. Whether that be McCaffrey off the edge, whether that be the screen game, whether that be um, end arounds with Debo or motion uh, motion handoffs to Debo, they took the edges away. And when they did, it forced everything back inside where you got help. And they had a great plan that then made the 49ers adjust to say, okay, we got to throw the ball. And throwing the balls exactly what the Chiefs wanted there, the defensive backs were phenomenal. Clean game. Uh, also, I think it was a, when you look at those penalties, the only penalty on the defensive backs was the hold in overtime. And yeah. I'm not so certain that was a great call. I, I think it was. I, I think it was a good call, and I think almost everyone who's seen it thinks it's a good call. But you're right. That's kind of the only mistake they made on defense. Yeah. Yeah. That kept the 49ers alive there. Well, well when I say that, it's not that, I didn't think it was a great call. I didn't think it was a great call because there was a lot of physical play that they let go throughout the game. And I thought it was a little ticky-tack to call that in that spot where that wasn't where the play was also being played. But it wasn't the correct call. Yes, he there was a hole. He had him wrapped around the waist. Was it affecting the play? No. And that's where I would have let that one go, but again, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it was egregious by any stretch, and I think that's maybe a little bit ticky tack to say that. So I'll admit that up front. But I do think that the Chiefs' defense just played great, and it wasn't yeah. like they were flying around from every different angle with a lot of different stuff. They really weren't. Um, they really weren't going in early and blitzing at all. It was no, it's it, it's almost like they were setting it up. So they they, they kind of came in the first half and said, we're going to show you a defense, but we're not going to give you enough to really respond or adjust at halftime to our blitz packages. Yeah. 
And they brought them out in the second half and used them very effectively. I thought the DC and the defense played very, very well. I liked what they did across the board on the Chiefs on the Chiefs side of it. I thought the 49ers played really good D too because they kept everybody, everybody both sides played very well. But I gotta give credit to the Chiefs defense for playing what I think is probably the best defensive game end to end of any team all year. They really took it to another level. For yeah. even themselves, yeah. yeah and I, I, I the, and just real quick on the on the officiating, I didn't think I thought the officiating was really good. They only did they did not they did not call it too tight. They let them play. I understand what you're saying that didn't affect the play, but that one was that kind was, of very was, obvious. That was one play out yeah. of five quarters. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's, I agree with that. It's a lot that they did right. They didn't miss really anywhere. They didn't overreach anywhere, and they didn't play ticky-tacky. I love the way the game was officiated. So, Which was kind of surprising to me because one of the things I heard earlier in the week was that this officiating crew, last in the league at offensive hold. They were the last. They, they, they called less offensive holding than every other crew in the league. First in the league, the most defensive holding calls. Illegal contact. And defensive holding. So that tells me this is going to be a, a high scoring game. But I picked it. I was like, I like the over. And mm -hmm. they eventually got to the number if you took the number pregame and not the one earlier in the week at 47 and a half. Um, but if you got right before the game, took Sunday number, you got it, you, you were spot on and you could push. But yeah, I thought the, the officiating was pretty good. And um, I was surprised. I thought the defense has played phenomenal. Um, I thought that 49ers defense played well too. I mean, the 49ers defense held the Chiefs at three points in the first half. And yeah. then really they get the short field on one of the two touchdowns. You know, I mean, that's that's the point two touchdowns. And it's like, okay, uh, you know, what are you gonna do? And and that's why I wasn't too mad with the OT thing. Like the OT thing, I was like, I get it, I see it because the two defenses were playing so well. Like, I would have thought the same thing. I wouldn't have thought it again if it was a higher scoring game, but I would have thought it there. I was okay with that. I, I would have. I had forgotten about the change because it was a this this overtime change was from like two years ago when there was Chiefs. It was Bills. from when the Chiefs lost or the Chiefs won the, the game against Buffalo. Against against Buffalo. So that's yeah. two years back, and I had forgotten they'd made this change until they brought it up yesterday. Yeah. Um, having, if you think about it more, and obviously hindsight is far more perfect. Uh, the yeah. argument there of not giving Mahomes four downs when he knows he has to go down yeah. is definitely there. And I wouldn't. I and and this is too. this is credit to Mahomes. And I said it when we were we were before we got on. I think Mahomes has separated himself from every quarterback in the league, period. I agree. Period. So if it's any other quarterback, I would agree with it, except Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Because that Patrick Mahomes has a history of, at the end, in yeah. clutch, whether it's fourth quarter or overtime, of going down in less than two minutes. Hell, in 13 seconds, we've seen him do it. So we know what he can do. Yeah. But in my, But at the same time, the part that bites me in the ass is that they never should have been in that situation in the first place. Yeah. And this goes back to that play calling in the red zone at third and fourth down with four right there inside the five. 
and you throw it twice instead of running it twice. I, I thought that the 49ers, when they got the, the first down play, so I was like, well, they haven't been aggressive the whole game. And I always say that on in a, in, in a late game, when we got to make a drive, we got the two minutes, the two minute drill, you know, whatever it might be. My first, and I have to think, and I have to kind of create that same mindset in overtime because I've got to score, but I've also got to get down there. I mean, it has to be now, can't be later. So I got to treat that like a two minute drive. While I don't have to call plays that way, I have to have the mentality. The mentality I like as a coach from that is I want the first, first down. Get me a first down. Yeah. And then we can open things up. And the 49ers did just that. First play, they go get 20 yards. And it was like, okay, I see where you're going. That made sense for the decision that they made. They went and got aggressive on that first play call. Mm -hmm. And then they slowed down. And I was like, oh, man, I, I don't know. So I didn't say, oh, I man, because I was ready for the Chiefs. I bet on the Chiefs. So. <laughs> and we have to yeah. we have to combine our betting because you picked the Chiefs to win and I picked it to be very close and it was. Yeah. I, had I just didn't think it'd be a little scoring. I had the Chiefs money line and I had the over 47 and a half. But I bet it early in the week. I bet a little bit early in the week. I bonus bet used it. Then on game day, I waited till game day. With our friends at DraftKings, I bet over with the number had moved to 47. So I pushed that, but I parlayed it with the Chiefs money line. Try to go for mm -hmm. big number, big number. Right. Yeah. And with our with our friends over at Caesars, you're able to same game tease. So I teased the over with the Chiefs. So now I have the Chiefs plus eight and the over under number of 41. So I hit that. But draft nice. doesn't allow that, Caesars does. So uh, I did that over there at Caesars, which is not our official sponsor as DraftKings is, but sometimes you got to do some stuff over there as well. So if you want, if there's if there's not, there are certain prop bets, there are certain crazy bets that aren't on DraftKings. No, but so, and that's I'll, that's what it is. I'll tell you the best thing, the best difference between DraftKings and Caesars, though, real quick. Then I got to get you off this tangent, but is the odds in game are almost always better on DraftKings. Mm. Mm. An extra half point, an extra one point, or the difference between um, lane two in the middle of a game at DraftKings will cost you 120, where over at Caesar might be 135. Yeah. yeah. That's the difference there sometimes. So, um, yeah, big deal, big deals there. But uh, it was a good, in the end, it ended up being a pretty good game when you look at how the, the second half went, and the overtime was certainly exciting. So I, I, I thought the exciting. whole game, whole yeah. game to me was exciting, especially once it got to the second half. Yeah. My heart just, I mean, yeah. my blood pressure was was not yeah. good the entire time. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to ask a couple couple quick questions here just to get us out of here. Yeah. Everyone's talking about Patrick Mahomes today. They're calling him the GOAT. They're calling him, you know, the next Brady, everything else. Okay, he's got three. He's 28. Can he get to seven? Over yes. under six and a half. Does he break? Does he get the Brady seven number? Yeah, I think he gets to seven. I do don't seven? think. I think he gets to. I think he gets to at least six. You think he wins six Super Bowls? I think he wins six, okay. and possibly seven. 
but I don't think it's going to happen as quickly as we're seeing it right now. Yeah. And here's why Brady did it early and then he came back late and there's lulls in the middle and things like that. Where we're going to see this with the Chiefs, Kelsey's getting older. Reed's getting older. He's going to have to find a way to do this with different weapons, different coaches over time. So we're going to, I think what we will see, not immediately, but in the very near future, is there's going to be some transition years. I agree. Where, and we're seeing it right now where we don't see the weapons on at wide receiver that he's had for multiple years, and yet he still wins. Yeah. But what happens when Chris Jones, it's, let's say Chris Jones is gone next year? That defense isn't going to save, it's going to be there to save them during the regular season and in a Super Bowl like he has been this year and he was yesterday because he was very critical to that success yesterday. Yeah. The defense. Those, those other pieces are what matter to overall success. You will always have success with Patrick Mahomes. I believe that right now. But that does not guarantee playoff or Super Bowl wins over the long haul. So we're not talking about two year, two more years. The dynasty question, I believe we are in a dynasty. I think without question, yeah. At this point, the, the numbers and, and the success speak for That's itself. But is this a 10-year dynasty, or does there happen to be some downtime? And like we saw before, there's a resurgence of this dynasty again under with a different face. I think the other thing to think about, and you think about this comparing him to Brady, is that Brady really in the AFC at his time had one major team, and that was Peyton Manning and the Colts. Peyton Manning, yeah, the Colts. Steelers had a couple year run in there where they were they where they beat him up a little bit. Sure. But if you look at the AFC right now, see how good Lamar and the Ravens are. Joe Burrow was hurt this season. He and the Bengals, there he should be back. Josh Allen and Buffalo, they're not going anywhere. Those three young quarterbacks could all be – it's very difficult because they're going to all knock each other off. And now in your own division, you got Justin Herbert, who's very good. He just has Jim Harbaugh. He's, He's got, got Harbaugh now. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk more about that as we get into the and, offseason. And, We're certainly going to have time. And, so. and we have to – and what happens with Russ when Sean Payton – what changes are they going to make this offseason that could change the Broncos? Yeah, Broncos. you got to look at that premier coaching. Who's their quarterback going to be? So what does that team become under Sean Payton without Russ? I heard the argument from someone last week that Brady was in a division also where they were by far the only good team. And that's not the case. That's not going to may not may not be the case moving forward with the Chiefs. So we'll it see. has been the it has been the case so, been so far. far. Though. It, it has, has been, been so far. far. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's again kind of the you know we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. Hey, brother, I appreciate you coming in. I enjoy always always talk chatting with you. Um, I will get we'll get you up soon. And uh, hey, I got a surprise. I'm coming to Denver in a few weeks. Nice. Me and looking, the, I'm and looking I, forward. And to I'm it. bringing the better half with me. Ah. So we'll chat more about it. So cool. I'm going to get you out of here. I got Tyler Jones coming here on the flip side. We're going to talk more about the Chiefs moving forward and what's going to happen there. And uh, I appreciate, as always, Uncle Rico coming in for a little bit. Thank you, bud. Always a pleasure. Thank you.
Hey, uh, I want to welcome in now my main man, Tyler Jones from the Jones Report. Tyler, usually this is the other way around. I'm on your show. Uh, but I appreciate you coming in today. I wanted to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit, and then I want to talk about folks in the Chiefs. I just had Uncle Rico in. We're focused a lot with the 49ers, a little bit on the Chiefs and Mahomes, but I want to talk about the, the Chiefs with you as you see a little more of it, and I think you're going to have some great opinions here as well. Uh, so start first off, thanks for coming in. How are you today? Uh, I'm on cloud nine right now. I mean, my, my team just won their third Super Bowl in five years. I mean, doesn't get any better than this, you know? I mean, uh, we're witnessing it, – it's not even just – I don't even think you have to be a Chiefs fan to appreciate just the greatness we're witnessing of Andy and Mahomes and Kelsey. And, uh, I mean, it, it's – right before our eyes, we're seeing greatness. And, you know, Mahomes – looking like the greatest quarterback we've ever seen, most talented quarterback we've ever seen. Kelsey, the best of his position. Andy making a case to be the greatest head coach of all time. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of surreal to see it all unfold the way the way it has. You're hitting all three of the over-exaggeration coming yeah. off the high of a Super Bowl. He's the greatest, the greatest, the greatest. Wow. All right. right, let's. I've got a couple questions I want to ask first about the game. Um, one, uh, Kyle Shanahan lost the game, right? Play calling. Yes. Play calling. Yes. I mean, just, Uncle Rico had a great point. He said that, you know, they don't have an offensive coordinator. They have run game coordinator and passing game coordinator. Well, yeah. really, Shanahan passing game. But uh, those details really affected how Shanahan not just called the game, but the bigger details like the overtime. Right. So um, he's getting killed today, Shanahan, on the overtime. I've told Uncle Rico this. You have not heard this yet. I actually said I, too, would have taken the ball. But the reason I would have taken the ball is that it was a 19-19 game. The defense has played, played spectacular. I understand the idea of not giving Mahomes the option of a fourth down, knowing what's going on every time. But I also think that I like the idea that if we we if we if we hold court, I stop you, you stop me, or we both settle for field goals, or both get touchdowns. I like the idea of I get the ball first and sudden down, and I think that meant a lot based upon how the defenses have played. I wouldn't have done that in a higher scoring game. So the way I look at it. Where I disagree, where I didn't like the call from Shanahan, was, Bo, that you go back to that situation and you can't win the game in that case. I agree. That's true. That's where I, dis that's where I didn't like it from Shanahan. And we heard afterwards, uh, Mahomes said the plan was they were going to go for two. Had mm -hmm. the Niners scored and they scored, you can go win the game. And, and also, like, you know, the idea of your, who you're facing. You're facing Patrick Mahomes. Do you really want to give him a chance to go win that game right there? That's where I disagreed. I, I didn't like the call. Yeah, I, I understand all those points. And, again, I, I'm not killing him for that. I think I think now the, the problem I do have with him taking with him taking the ball is that I don't think he was aggressive with his play call. Now. I thought he was. The first play, I was like, oh, shit, he came out here and threw a 20-yard pass and – they're going to try to throw this thing around. They're going to try to do some shit. Okay. 
And then it was predictable, predictable, predictable. Okay, we're going to settle for the long field goal. So that's where I, I didn't agree. And I was like, okay, this is where he's going to get killed. If he goes out there and scores a touchdown and forces it back on the Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to have to play that game, play that possession a little different in the start as well. But we didn't have to do that when it was only the field goal. Now you know you're playing a little bit more house money. So I, I get that. Um, if you're going to be aggressive, stay aggressive. But he hadn't been aggressive the whole game. And then he didn't stay aggressive once he made the aggressive decision. So I don't know. I think I think more of it was, I think he figured that excuse out when walking back to the, talk to the press. But I don't think he knew the idea of what he was doing. I think he No, I mean, out. we heard the players afterwards say they didn't even know the overtime rules. And that's what we talked, Uncle Rico and I talked about that as well. And I said that, yeah, that that was, that's a microcosm of the issues the 49ers have with he's too busy being boy wonder and genius offensively to think about the bigger picture of the football team and to think about those decisions and those kind of bigger things. That's something that an Andy Reid was talking about in the preseason. You know, to have yeah. a meeting is a meeting to say, here's what we're going to do in these situations. And I think right. that's the difference between a Kyle Shanahan and an Andy Reid. When you think about an Andy Reid in a historic level, which, I mean, you have to at this point, I mean, I even I have to turn around and say, look, if I had three out of five years, um, you look at it and go, okay, now that's what he does. Those that bigger detail where his players understand it, that's what great coaches do. That's what the Belichicks did, the Bill Walsh's did, the Jimmy Johnsons did. Well, they and, and I would take it a step football. further, Bo. I would take this a step further. I, I know that Andy is the play caller for Kansas City, so this kind of goes counterintuitive to what I'm about to say. But I don't like head coaches calling plays. I don't either. That's what your coordinators are for. You go ahead and manage, be the guy that's that's controlling the clock and looking at those situations, be able to talk to your offense, talk to your defense. I feel like Kyle Shanahan could do himself wonders if Brian Greasy was his play caller. If he made that promotion tomorrow, said, you know what? I need to delegate. I need to have my hands more in these situations and make sure our ass is covered here. And, mm -hmm. you know, Andy, for example, um, that was a big problem for a long time. If you recall, yeah. when Alex Smith was quarterback, he gave up play calling duties to Matt Nagy. And we saw the Chiefs' offense immediately get better and that team improve when Andy delegated. And even after Matt Nagy left, the the way that the Chiefs have done it is a collective play-calling system of, you know, Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, Matt Nagy now collectively decide, you know, what, what the play-calling is going to be. So, for me, that, that's just something I've never been a fan of. I, I think Shanahan might do himself a lot of good if he had if he delegated that that duty. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of it that way until Rico said it earlier, and I was like, yeah, I, I agree with you thinking there because it was those details get lost in that situation. What I do like about, about a head coach when it comes to offensive play calling is to say, hey guys, we've talked about this, or to make a suggestion, say, hey, I think we ought to run it here. This let's do this, as opposed to you also can't make adjustments. As a head coach, you can't make offensive adjustments, which the 49ers didn't do at all last night. 
uh, because you're so concerned with um, the the bigger part of the game. I, I, right. That's a big deal to me. Hey, where I want to go to with you, and I really want to talk about is the Chiefs. Uh, we've talked about, you've already mentioned, you know, you, you're already on cloud nine, and you, you know, Mahomes is the greatest quarterback ever, Kelsey's the greatest tight end ever, Andy Reid's the greatest coach ever. Um, <laughs> I'm not prepared to say any of those three things, but um, what I am willing to say, this is a dynasty, as I mean, it obviously is. And the combination of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes is definitely in that conversation with a Belichick Brady, a Walsh in Montana, uh, Chuck Nolan, Terry Bradshaw, where you just have this great coach and the great quarterback, and they work so well together. The success together is incredible. And they're in rarefied air. And I think that's like where I'm at right now with this whole thing is that with the coaching side. Andy Reid is definitely a Hall of Fame coach. And, and Mahomes has forced his way into the greatest quarterbacks echelon. You know me, I don't do the whole, this is the greatest player ever. Because I'm not in agreement that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, he has had the greatest career. There's different. Well, and, and, and think about this. We talk about getting yeah. the, it's the trifecta, right? You're looking for yeah. the right head coach, the right yeah. quarterback, and the general manager. And I, I don't yeah. think Brett Veach gets enough credit, too, for the job he's done. Um, behind all this and making this work. Because think about, you know, just some of the, the greats that are out there. Aaron Rodgers, uh, I, I know that you're a big fan of. Um, I mean, this is As a, a guy. Player, absolutely. This is a guy that never had the right head coach. Yeah. I mean, his best head coach was Matt LaFleur, who is okay. I mean, he's not great, but he's not bad. But Mike McCarthy wasn't that guy. Um and Ted Thompson, I never thought was that great of a GM in Green Bay either. Um, look at Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is obviously one of the all-time greats. I never thought Tony Dungy was that great of a head coach. No. Certainly didn't think his owner was doing him any favors either. I mean, so it is the better the better Peyton Manning coach was uh, Jim Caldwell. Yeah. Not. John Fox wasn't even that great of a coach when, when he was with him in Denver. Um, so or I, I guess it was Kubiak they won the Super Bowl with. But anyway, he same thing, basically. Um, but with, with that all said, like, just hitting on all of those things, sometimes it requires a little bit of luck. But Kansas City's got such a good thing to have that trifecta and you can even add in ownership. I, th I think Clark Hunt's one of the best owners in the league. Obviously, he's done a great job. Um, just having all of that on the same page. New England with Belichick and Brady and Kraft. I mean, it, it's hard to hit on all of those. And if you do hit on all of those, then, I mean, you're cooking with bacon grease. Yeah. I think that for the Chiefs organization, the best thing that ever happened to the Chiefs organization, sounds horrible, was – Clark Hunt becoming the owner. Yeah. His old man, God bless his soul, his old man did not care about the on-the-field product as much as Clark does. It was a and, big and, deal to Clark to win games. And Clark had to learn some things, too. He did. Like, yeah. Clark made some bad decisions early on with Herm Edwards and Todd Haley and Scott Pioli and some of these others. Yeah. And, and you know, you go back to when they hired Andy Reid. 
Um, you know, they made up their minds right away. This is the guy we want. We're not letting him leave. And, you know, you begin the Andy Reid era with John Dorsey as GM. And John Dorsey wasn't a bad GM. He was a very good talent evaluator, but was terrible with the salary cap and put them in salary cap hell. So they fired him, you know, promoted Brett Veach to take on that role. But, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where it, it took Clark Hunt a while to figure out what it takes to be a great owner. Yeah. Well, then I think you go from there, you, you get Andy Reid and then the trade up to get Mahomes. I mean, knowing Mahomes is going to the next pick and, and there's, if you never heard that story, it's a great story. Like they, they got some information that he was going next and there was two teams that really wanted him and chiefs jumped in front of the team that was going to take him at 12. Um, when I look at it now, I look at it and go, okay, well, you've got, you have that perfect combo, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, what they've done with that. Um, this defense played incredibly well, exceedingly well in the Super Bowl. It really has all season. Um, but what I was looking like the future of the Chiefs looks really bright, uh, not just because of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, but also because there is no salary cap issues here. Zero. No. They have with a with a high paid quarterback, they've already said they're going to rework Mahomes' contract. But even with that, they don't have a lot to do. Moving on from Tyreek Hill worked the way they did it. Um, right. They have Kelsey, and he's under contract for a couple more years. And he probably maybe he gets an extension of that for another couple, but he's old enough that he's not going to be there forever. Really, the Chiefs do list right now is get Chris Jones figured out, get him a contract. I think he's earned it. And then go find some go find some wide receiver talent, right? So, so think about this. So the Chiefs have about close to $23 million in cap space next year uh, of their, their top 51, right? And you go into next year, you're going to have your standard cuts that every team does anyway. So that I, I haven't even looked at their cut candidates yet, but that'll slash a bunch of more salary, make yeah. things more open from there. So all of a sudden, you look at a team that already has won a Super Bowl, you pay Chris Jones, you go draft some more talent, keep developing some guys, and, and now you probably have some flexibility to go get one or two more big-time players too. I mean, we, yeah. we've talked about that receiving core needing some help. Rasheed Rice certainly came a long way, but you know they they need one more. What about a guy like Mike Evans? Yeah, uh, I got a little. List I don't here. think yeah. they can get T. Higgins because I think the Bengals are ultimately going to franchise tag him, and either they'll sign him to a long-term deal or they'll trade him somewhere else, but certainly not Kansas City. But if you add like Mike Evans to this team and pair him with Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey, I mean, it's game over because think about this. Uh, of the Mahomes era in Kansas City, this was the worst Chiefs yeah. team we've seen. And who they went through, you know, winning at Buffalo, winning at Baltimore, and then beating the Niners the way they did, and you still won the Super Bowl – that's your worst team? I mean, that that's that's bad news for the rest of the league. This team's only going to get better. Yeah, so I got the thing up here already. They're just under $23 million over. Or under, I'm sorry. They're $23 million to spend right now. Um, Valdez Scantling, who's going to get cut, um, is a $2 million dead hit, but it saves them $12 million in cap space. 
Now, what the Chiefs had done, great. I'm saying this is a New Orleans Saints fan because they do it horribly. The Chiefs currently only have 400000 in committed dead money. That's incredible. Yes. That is, I don't, I, can't, I mean, to give you an idea for people who are listening, that's in a cap space, in a cap where it's $250 million, you're looking at less than 1%. I mean, less than one half of 1% on dead money. We got teams out here that are carrying 5% of their cap on dead money. A couple of them that are carrying 10%. Yeah. Less than 1%, which gives them so much flexibility. They'll end up making a deal. They'll, they'll save some money this season on Mahomes by making by tearing up his contract and get him a new one. Uh, the one I did see is Charles Amenahu is someone they can cut. They can pay him 3.7. He goes away. It saves him 7.2 million. But I don't think they do it because with the ACL tear, he comes back midseason. That's a great one to have to that defensive line. Unless you think you can go get somebody. And I could see that, but I think that he's been so good for them this past season, and really the season before as well. I, I think they get patient with him and his injury. Um, but yeah, you look at this team's focusing on a free agency, a big time wide receiver. Mike Evans has got to be the target. Um, the other one will be I think New Orleans will cut Michael Thomas. They're having a salary cap issue. He's not bought in with what they're trying to do. God only knows what they're trying to do, but he'll be available whether that's trade or being cut by June 1. But here's some of the names. You mentioned T. Higgins. I tend to agree with you that the Bengals are going to keep him. They're in a good salary cap spot as well. Tyler Boyd will be out there. Again, not a great – he's not a one. But if Rasheed Rice is your one and you bring in a Boyd, where really the number one receiver for the Chiefs is Kelsey. Yeah. But then you've got a couple other names that I'm going to look up on names. These are the lower cost and guys who could come to the Chiefs because of the situation and because they're not going to cost money and they're going to be they're going to play with Mahomes. A Nelson Aguilar, a Curtis Samuel. What about Odell Beckham? Yeah, I OBJ this past year in Baltimore, like was having problems staying healthy. I, I just yeah. worry that he's not going to ever be consistently healthy again. I agree with that. But is he a guy you could take a – again, I'm looking at this as this is a, a huge discount. Guys who are going to want to come to Kansas City. Again, these aren't these aren't guys who are going to be your ones. But these right. are guys who provide you depth at that receiver position. And going to be those guys who will come in for 3 or $4 million. I mean, OBJ is not getting 10 or $15 million a year. Because no. of the injury. And so maybe he, some of these guys come in and say, hey, I'll go play with Patrick Mahomes. We got a chance to win it all. And get that real. You know, there's one more name I really like um, that he could potentially be available to. He, he's shown flashes, but still has something to prove. Coming off a couple down years, I really like Hollywood Brown. And the Chiefs have still missed that kind of deep threat since Tyreek left. I know that MVS has had a few plays here and there, but nothing consistently here. I, I think we could be looking at Hollywood Brown rejuvenating his career and going to a whole new level in this Chiefs offense. Yeah, I, I can see that one as well. I think the important thing for the Chiefs is to go and get guys in free agency at wide receiver and not go to the draft. Yeah. I think it's best. I mean, they, 
where they've done in the past, they've got a Sky Moore and someone like that. Those really haven't panned out. You're With a wide receiver, late first round, early second round, or even late second round, you're really kind of grasping at which one of these is the better of, and they're going to have four or five that are all kind of the same. So to me, it's like, okay, let's go get the guy we know we can get and get veterans because the team's already pretty young. Adding a couple of veterans who want to be there because they want to win is a big deal. I think that also helps them on the in other positions as well. What is the left tackle situation with the, the Chiefs now? The, uh, the Chiefs left tackle spot uh, going into 2024 uh, I'm pulling up their depth charts as we speak right now. They're pretty well set with with both ends on, on the tackle situation uh, going forward. You you got Jawan Taylor, of course, on one on the right tackle side. Yeah, about um, Say again. I knew about Jawan Taylor. What was one on the right side? But isn't their left tackle? Isn't he going to be a free agent? Um. Oh yes, yes. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you do have a. Uh, Wayne Morris, the uh, third round pick from Oklahoma, is expected to get more into the rotation. He might slide in. The other thing I noticed in the Super Bowl, I haven't noticed it before him. Creed Humphrey was rough yesterday. Actually, I said in the second, late, uh, middle of the second quarter, I said to my wife, I said, uh, you know, they got to, I said, during halftime, he needs to be in the hallway just doing snaps. Um, his poor snaps hurt the Chiefs' offense drastically in the run game because of the timing of things. And they're lucky they have Patrick Mahomes, that he's very good with his hands. Most quarterbacks wouldn't be able to take those low snaps the way he did. Um, I don't know if that's something that's been consistently with him with him at all. I haven't noticed it until this game. But it was really bad to put in the Super Bowl. So, so he I had a couple bad snaps, but, I mean, his blocking was incredible. There's, there's a highlight uh, – I think it was on Greenlaw, or, or no, it was actually Fred Warner, where he literally drives him all the way out of bounds um, at one point in the night. And, and the PFF grades for him have been fantastic all season yeah. long, too. I saw like, he's in the top ten at center. So, yeah. I, I think he's, he's the best center in the league, and and they're they're in great shape with, with him going forward. I was just curious. I saw a lot of that in the game, and I was like, that it really, it really did hurt their run game a lot yeah. because of the the – in the timing pieces of the counter stuff. Oh, really by the way, I, I forgot to mention on Donaldson Smith, he is a free agent, but I, I would be surprised if they let him walk. Just curious. I'm assuming what's out there. Um, yeah, but I think we'll also see, again, some of these, some of these veteran players will say, hey, I'll take a cut. Let's go play in Kansas City. We're right. going to see more of that these next couple of seasons. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's going to help you get a couple of weapons. Man, Cordell Patterson, Cordell Patterson or um, a DJ Chark. You know, somebody can come in here and be a be a third guy, be a third option at wide receiver. You know, uh, a Calvin Ridley. You know, someone like that on the defensive side. I mean, did you see a Jadavion Clowney show up there in Kansas City? I mean, you need a pass rusher at some point. I mean, a true pass rusher to put on the opposite side of a Chris Jones. You know that that makes a lot of sense to me as well. You're probably going to get him cheap, and again, guys will want to play with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, what what I wonder with with Clowney um, is is kind of at this point in his career finding him the right system because we saw the Browns, you know, they had one of the best defenses in football this year, and he didn't fit at all 
the year previously, what they were trying to do and was kind of kicked to the curb, goes to Baltimore and was a natural fit um, with, with Baltimore's defense. Like, I like Clowney and think he's a good pl- football player. You know, he had nine-plus sacks this year. But um, I, I would think that he's best off just with his situation with, you know, trying to find a comfort level, probably just staying in Baltimore. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious. I get it. I just saw some of the people who are available, and I'm thinking that kind of that mindset. But we saw who guys who wanted to later in their careers go play with Tom Brady. Right. Guys who wanted to in their later career play with the Peyton Manning. They were going to see some out. The guy you're going to see that with is Patrick Mahomes. All right. I'm going to ask a couple 49er questions. I'm going to get you out of here on this. Um, are we going to like admit now that I know quarterbacks better than everybody else, and y'all just need to trust me on Brock Purdy and that he's not that good? I, I think with Brock, it, it is – uh, it's twofold. Um, if you're the San Francisco 49ers, I think you you love having Brock for eight hundred thousand dollars a year. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You, I made that. You point. play you, out you if you're the, the Niners. If you're the Niners, you play out the rookie contract. Yeah. Build the town around him. That is your best path to victory right now. Yeah. I agree. But once his contract's up. Then let's see. Let's have this discussion again and see has Brock taken enough steps forward, or is he just who he, he is? And then go move on and go get another quarterback at that point. I, I think Brock is fine for who he is. I think he's he he did and uh, he's done and a really good job this season. I, I you know Pro Bowl quarterback and everything. You know he was top five in MVP voting. I, I think Brock's fine for the situation, but the discussion down the road, if you want to pay him or not, there still needs to be seen. Yeah. I think the issue I have with it, I mentioned this to Rico earlier, is that you can't go into a Super Bowl, and you and I talked about this at length in the past. You have to be a certain guy or above. We used to call it, first it was the was the Dak Prescott rule. It's been a few other people. But it was Ryan Tannehill first, and that quickly. Ryan Tannehill, yeah, you'd be better than Ryan Tannehill to, 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 to be a Super Bowl quarterback. Um, I don't know that Brock Purdy fits the bill. I and we can talk about this at another time, but I, I did pull up. I kind of took all the thirty-two quarterbacks and a couple we don't know right now. But I kind of I had these groupings. We got five that we know are great: Mahomes, Lamar, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers. Like, yeah. Those five are capable of carrying pretty much any team to a to a successful situation. Then I have a group of group two. It's these quarterbacks are good enough to go to a Super Bowl and they and you are not at a distinct disadvantage. That group was Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love. I'm big on Jordan Love, Matt Stafford because we've seen it, Dak Prescott because I'm higher on Brett Dak than everybody else is. C.J. Stroud is in there. The other one to me, you're going to be shocked that I said this one, is Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Not that they're great, but that you're not at a distinct disadvantage, those guys. Yeah. The next group is where you're likely to be at a distinct disadvantage. And in that group, and a couple of these are just young guys who don't know where they're at yet. Those are the guys like Justin Fields and Anthony Richardson. You know, those situations, how they're going to come about. Uh, this is Trevor Lawrence in there. Trevor Lawrence is the number one guy in there. Trevor Lawrence is that guy. Jared Goff has been there, 
but he hasn't been. You go in there now with him, you're at a distinct disadvantage if he's the best player on your offense. Geno Smith, Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, who Deshaun Watson, we don't know who he is anymore. It's why he's in there. I mean, he would have been that next group up three years ago. Tua and then Richardson and Fields. I tend to think that that's where Brock Purdy is. He's in the bottom was, side of that group. I, I was ranking the quarterbacks uh, a couple of weeks ago. I put him at like 16 um, is where I ranked him among the, the top quarterbacks in the league. Rank, I, Brock, I, Brock Purdy, right in the middle. About average. Yeah, about 16. And I, I, I look at, you know, let's, let's take it back to yesterday. Did the Niners lose because of Brock Purdy? No. no they did not. I said that Brock yeah. Purdy played good enough to win that game. Now, he didn't put them in a position. They didn't they weren't going to win because of him, yes. but they weren't going to lose because of him. Well, and, and that's where the Niners are at. What what the reality is if you're the Niners with Brock Purdy going forward is okay, are we content? Are we okay with Brock Purdy being in a position where Okay, he's not going to go win us this game, but he's not going to be the reason we lose either. Yeah. He is going to be he, – he, he's not our torchbearer of sorts. Like, think, think um, you know, if – let's say that he was in Kansas City a couple of years ago when Tyreek Hill left, then, you know, all hell breaks loose in that case if he's the quarterback. Comparably yeah. speaking, in, you know, they didn't miss a beat, you know, in, in just, just the offense accordingly. So sure. – I think Brock's good, and I, I think he's got a bright future. But you know that's that's the question that remains: is will he yeah. take that next step up? Yeah, and I and I don't know that he can. If he didn't do it in this offense this year, maybe he can in a year or two. They're going to have to know this time next year. They're going to have to make that decision whether he's with them one more year, whether he's the backup in twenty twenty five, or if he's gone. Or if he's the starter, if he's if he's going to be better, um, you know he's got a season, still one more season. But I do think that you know, judging by our, you and I on your show, we've talked about that test. He falls below it for me. He's a he puts you at it. He doesn't lose the game for you, but he cannot go out there and win it either. Not in a Super Bowl, not when you need it the most. Could he go beat Arizona? Can he go beat Seattle? Well, yeah. But when we needed him, we as when the 49ers needed him, I didn't know, I would root for the Chiefs. If the 49ers need him to go win a Super Bowl, he's not capable of that. And that's the knock on him. And that's what my knock on him is. And it's true that, like you said earlier, he's important because of the salary cap number. You know, it's the, it's the Russell Wilson thing. You know, the Russell Wilson, when they had Russell Wilson and Marshawn and the Legion of Boom. And you pay the quarterback, and everyone else gets fucked. I think Russ is a very comparable player to him, too. Not Russ is a player. I think you know you're you're looking at both, you know, shorter quarterbacks, very yeah. athletic, not great arms. Um, I I think that we could be looking at very similar career trajectories, and the Niners looking at down the road, do we commit? our salary to him or do we move on because if seattle had to do it over again they wouldn't have paid russell wilson what they did no no absolutely not yeah all right 
well, hey, I want to get you out of here on that. So I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you've done this year. We've enjoyed it. And I enjoyed being on the Jones Report. So if you're listening to this and you haven't heard me on the Jones Report, you got to tune into the Jones Report. That's the better. That's the better show anyway right now. You know. Uh, hey, talk about the Jones Report. What are you? What are you and Tom and Tom doing on the Rich, on the show this week? Oh man, uh, I got some exciting stuff ahead uh, for sure. As uh, now with with the NFL over, uh, we get to. You know, talk a little more hoops now, uh, more NBA, more college basketball. Uh, you know, of course, March Madness is going to be here very soon before we know it. Uh, I know we're, we're getting a little excited for racing, too, with Daytona 500 coming up this weekend. We'll be covering that on the other show I do, Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Certainly excited about that. But, uh, yeah, just some uh, great stuff ahead and looking forward to uh, what's ahead here in uh, 2024. Uh, Bo, always a pleasure anytime we get the chance to, uh, to chat, my friend. Yeah, we'll get together. We'll get together. I'll still be on your. We'll be. I'll be with you this week, and we'll kind of figure it out from there. We got the draft coming up and everything else. So there's always football, always something going on. That's why it's number one. But hey, appreciate you, bud. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for your expertise and what's going on behind the scenes. Oh, you know one thing I did forget. I'm gonna jump in this real quick. How bad was Tony Romo last night? You know, uh, I went back and watched some clips. He wasn't. He was. He was worse than I realized in real time. Um, didn't explain overtime too well, and 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 uh, you know that moment at the end of the game when they just won the Super Bowl, and he's talking about the breakdown of the play. Like Tony, let it breathe for a second. We can talk about that in thirty or sixty seconds from now. Like let it breathe for a second. Um, Tony was so good his uh, his first couple years in the booth, but. That's that's gone downhill here over the last couple of years. The way the way that's gone. Who I feel for, you know, is Greg Olson because Greg Olson's been fantastic in the booth the last couple of years with Fox, and he's about to get replaced by Tom Brady. I get it, but why why can't we live in a world where we get Tom Brady on one network and Greg Olson on the other here, and we're we're stuck with Romo who's half-assing it. I know. I, I didn't think it was a very good call at all last night. I I think even Jim Nance is gonna is make it is having a tough time with Romo. I think he's trying the best he can. You know, he's Jim Nance is as professional as you're ever gonna get, and he's done everything. But he not even he's gonna save us from Tony Romo right now. As How about JJ Watt's was, hair? How about JJ Watt's hair, Bo? Oh, I made some jokes pregame about that. So I watched a little bit of pregame. CBS's pregame was awful, by the way. Um, <laughs> But J.J. Watt obviously called Brian Urlacher up and said, hey, hook me up with somebody. I don't know if you know the joke on that. Have you seen Brian Urlacher? Yeah. Yeah, he has all the, all the hair now. All you got to do is go to the city of Chicago. Every other billboard in the city is Brian Urlacher with a full head of hair. Um, yeah. And so I think that that's what yeah J.J. Watt is doing the same thing, I think. Yeah, that, that, was, that was something, J.J., yeah. It was, yeah, it was something. I, yeah, I thought the CBS coverage was not very good. We talked about that, you and I talked about that last night in passing. I just thought it was, eh, it's just kind of blah. I, Fox does a good job of it. ESPN does a good job of it. Even NBC's quality is good, even though I don't care for those two announcers. They still do a really good job. Right. You got to have your number one team out there. Nance just, Nance is really good at golf. He's excellent at basketball. You know, in the tournament, but he's—I don't think he's great at football. Yeah, and yeah. I, uh, it's it's not his not his forte. 
no, uh, no. when it comes to calling football games. Um, I, I, I think that he was really great years ago when he hosted the NFL today. Yeah. Um, that I thought that was more his forte back in the day when he did that. But uh, also, did, did you hear uh, Prime is taking Peacock's playoff game next year? No. Yeah. Peacock lost the rights to that wild card game to Prime. So the streaming war is getting a little juicy. Yeah. You know, I did think I do think I heard something now about that. Yeah. I think I saw the bottom line or something. I hadn't seen the details of it yet. We will definitely bring you back in and talk about all that stuff in a few weeks because you and I nerd out about that stuff. And I think today we want to focus on the Super Bowl and everything there. So a little special edition of the Coach Bodos podcast today. So we'll get that. While you're here, usually when I sign off, well, I'll do it. I'll just thank you now because usually I say, and thanks to Tyler Jones and everybody at Studio Soapbox for all you do behind the scenes. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anywhere you get your podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. I'll be back later in the week. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. This is Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great week. Remember your time tokens are not refundable. Take care, everybody.